Oh, you pray with me. Lord, may your word dwell in us richly as we ponder these things in our hearts. Amen. Well, Christmas is almost here, one week away. We've been lighting those candles, looking forward to it. Our first baby was due on Christmas Eve. And uh, when I found that out, Throughout that nine months, I kept thinking about Mary, especially in that ninth month. Uh, the thought of riding on a donkey for 90 miles, maybe camping along the way, was not something I would have wanted to do. But one thing I love about the whole Christmas story is that these details that we have here in Luke and also in Matthew must have come from Mary and Joseph. They were the ones who were there. And you know how kids love to hear the story of their birth, especially if there's anything dramatic in the tale, a stormy night racing to the hospital. Um, I can just imagine Jesus listening to this story of his birth as a child. So this morning, I want to especially look at our gospel reading, kind of in the context of that whole first chapter of Luke. I want to make some observations, thinking about the amazing things that happened with Mary and Elizabeth, and also thinking about how these women provide models of discipleship for us. So Luke, Luke was a traveling physician, a physician who traveled with Paul. He compiled the Gospel of Luke, also the Acts of the Apostles. And I want to just look at the opening sentences in Luke chapter 1. He says, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those from the first who were eyewitnesses and servants of the Lord. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good to me to write an orderly account to you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Luke wanted us to know that these things really happened. They're written down to Theophilus. It means lover of God. So in a sense, they're written to us too, centuries later. And our story opens, as Chuck read, with Zacharias and Elizabeth, this elderly couple. They're living in the hill country of Judea, outside the city of Jerusalem. And Zacharias served in one of the 24 priestly divisions that took week-long turns of duty twice a year. And Zachariah had been chosen by lot to go in and burn incense before the Lord. And while he's there, an angel appears to him and tells him his wife, Elizabeth, will bear a son. He goes on to tell him the name, John, and the role this child will play in preparing the way for the Messiah. Zachariah was a godly man. He and Elizabeth are described as upright in the sight of God. And I'm sure he knew the story of Abraham and Sarah. And yet, you know, they were old and childless, and he was a bit skeptical. This wasn't a Bible story. This was his life, his and Elizabeth's pain. And he knew biology. He knew menopause. How can I be sure, he asks the angel. We're old. 
and the angel's response gets our attention. I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to tell you this good news. It's almost like, listen, do you know who you're talking to? Do you know where I've been? And in the end, Zacharias is not able to speak until the baby's born. And sure enough, Elizabeth does become pregnant in her old age. So the next scene, um, the scene with Angel Gabriel again in verse 28 of this Luke chapter 1. It's in the sixth month, that's Adar. It was like between February and March. And Gabriel is sent to Nazareth to marry a virgin betrothed to Joseph, a descendant of David. And I'm just going to read what he says. The, virgin, the angel says, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was troubled with his words and wondered what kind of greeting that might be. Um, you know, just a side note, Mary was troubled. Um, Zachariah was startled and gripped with fear. You know, this is the normal response when angels show up. The scriptures, emissaries from the throne of God. It's kind of frightening for us mortals. And Gabriel says, do not be afraid. It's the same thing he told Zacharias. And then he says, as we read, uh, you will be with child and give birth to a son and you are to give his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called son of the most high. The Lord God will give him his throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will have no end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. How will this be? Indeed. I don't think it's skepticism here more than an acknowledgement of her state. Now, we all know how children come into the world. They need a mother and a father. And even Zachariah and Elizabeth had to take action for baby John to be conceived. But Mary knows she has no action to take. And then Gabriel describes what's to happen. It's unique in human history. Verse 35, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called Son of God, Son of the Most High. And then Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. Oh, wait, let me just continue this here. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was barren is in her sixth month. So nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And the angel left her. Back to what Gabriel says, the Holy One to be born to you will be called the Son of God. You know, this is very mysterious. This is, this is unique in human history. And I'm struck with Mary's response. She says, I am the servant of the Lord. Be it unto me according to your word. You know, with these words, Mary acknowledges the Lord's claim on her life. She belongs to him. And she puts herself into his hands, her whole future, and her very body. She will be bearing a baby. And you know, she was betrothed, which was as legally as binding as marriage. Betrothed to Joseph. They just haven't had the wedding ceremony yet. 
And to be found pregnant before she's been with Joseph will not be well received. She voices what everyone else will think. How can this be since I'm a virgin? The penalty for pregnancy outside of wedlock could be death or at least ostracization. So there was risk and sacrifice involved in those words, be it unto me according to what you have said. And here Mary provides a model of discipleship. Discipleship involves surrender to the Lord. It involves his acknowledging that we are his and it involves laying our will and our bodies at his disposal. And there may be risk and sacrifice involved. There may come a point when God calls us to make choices that are difficult or a path that seems hard. Be it unto me according to your will. This is kind of a phrase that's been going through my mind the past month. It's a good one to have to ponder in my heart. And I make choices with my body. We're embodied creatures. And Mary's receiving Jesus into her life was, liter was quite literal. So after receiving this visit from the angel Gabriel and hearing the news that her cousin Elizabeth is six months pregnant, Mary packs a bag and hurries to the town in the hill country of Judah to visit Elizabeth. Elizabeth was probably old enough to be Mary's mother or maybe even grandmother. And you can imagine how exciting this news is that she's expecting. So we come to our text this morning. It's the rare meeting between two pregnant women in the Bible. I think it's the only scene like this in all of scripture. So Mary arrives, she enters the home and greets Elizabeth. And remember, there is no emailing, no texting. I'm on my way, see you soon. There was no telegraph. There was no telephone. You know, there's no old text even. Um, so Elizabeth might've been surprised. And uh, so she enters, she greets Elizabeth. And at the sound of her voice, the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaps. You know, there are certain people in our lives who when we see them or we hear their voices, it makes our hearts skip a beat with delight. And I'm guessing Elizabeth felt that way about Mary, but this is so much more. The text says Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and in a loud voice, she exclaims, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear for the fruit of your womb. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And then she explains about the baby leaping for joy in her womb. You know, this is a prophetic moment. Elizabeth couldn't have known that Mary was expecting. Mary's just heard from the angel herself, much less that she was carrying the son of God. The mother of my Lord has come to me. So it's also a culturally extraordinary moment because she's the older woman and she's giving deference to her younger cousin. Why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord has come? Elizabeth's words express not only praise for Mary, but humility regarding herself. And then she continues in a loud voice, blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. And Mary breaks out into song. But let's pause here and take note. 
you know, Elizabeth is giving a special insight into Mary's heart. It turns out Mary was not fearfully reluctant. She wasn't strong-armed into bearing Jesus. Mary was believing that what God said to her through Gabriel would be accomplished. She was believing that this was actually good news. And here again is a model of discipleship. Being a disciple means trusting God to do what he says. Standing on the promises, as an old hymn says. And the result is joy. Mary is filled with joy. And let's just look at her song for a second. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on, generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their throne. He has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham, to his descendants forever. I love that song Bethany sang at the beginning, or was playing uh, right before the service started. Give thanks. To the Holy One. I don't know if you all know the words, but it says, So now let the weak say I'm strong, let the poor say I'm rich because of what the Lord has done for me. Give thanks. Um, you know, if the song sounds vaguely familiar, it could be because Mary, out of the abundance of her heart, is pulling pieces from Psalm 34, Psalm 138. Psalm 71, Psalm 103, Psalm 107, Psalm 98, Genesis 17, Psalm 132. You know, of Mary, it could truly be said, the word of God dwelled in her richly, and it pours out in this mosaic when met with Elizabeth's confirmation. And I love the things she sings of. Her soul is filled with praise to God, thankfulness for what he's done for her, for his loving kindness and mercy that extends to all generations. He's a God who keeps promises. And there's that familiar contrast between the wealthy proud and the humble poor. And it's clear that God is opposed to the proud, but it's going to lift up the humble. And in this whole passage, this theme of humility breaks out at every turn. Mary's humility before God. I'm your servant. Be it unto me according to your will. Open to God's plan. Elizabeth's humility in the presence of Mary. An older woman due respect, yet paying deference to a young mother of her Lord. But you know, there are two others in this scene. Mary's just heard from Gabriel. So Jesus at most is the we embryo. And Elizabeth affirms Mary is the mother of her Lord already. John is a six-month-old fetus leaping for joy. And, you know, these two will meet again later with the Holy Spirit playing a role when uh, John baptizes Jesus, the Holy Spirit descends as a dove. 
But the scripture is referencing their lives while in the womb. There they are. And these mothers are serving as disciples by burying them in their bodies. Three months later, Mary will return home, probably when John is born. And nine months after Adar, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December. Maybe Jesus was born in December. <laughs> that was new to me <laughs> this year. Um, I thought we just celebrated in December. But I thought, oh my goodness, he might have actually been born in December. You know, it's amazing, though, that Jesus was willing to be resident in Mary's body, to come into the world the way every person on the planet has come into the world. Oh, come all ye faithful, as the Christmas carol says, lo, he abhors not the virgin's womb. The examples of Mary and Elizabeth are a reflection of the incredible humility found in Jesus Christ. And the Apostle Paul writes of Jesus in Philippians 2. It says, he who being in very nature was God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptying himself, taking the form of a bondservant, being made in human likeness, found in form as a man. And I think today we're invited to focus on the condescension of God who inhabited a young woman and thereby lifted up as humans. He affirmed the goodness of God's created physical world and the sacredness of our bodies. And this is the trajectory. The humble will be lifted up. The hungry filled with good things, as Mary sings. And ultimately, Jesus, too, would be exalted to the highest place and given the name that is above every other name. Jesus laid aside privileges of his deity and became incarnate as a lowborn man. And one day he'll be acknowledged as Lord of all creation. Psalm 113 puts it, who is like the Lord our God who dwells on high, who humbles himself, who raises the poor out of the dust. We're also invited, I think, to think about Mary. Through her, a lowly girl from Nazareth, the Holy Spirit causes the word to become flesh and dwell among us. And we're all elevated and blessed through Mary. God's history with humans is a history of temple making, of residing with us. And we are invited to be the residents of our very maker. Mary matters because she was the flesh and blood receptacle. What she did with her body mattered. What Jesus did with his body mattered. In our Hebrews reading, it says we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus. And I want to say our bodies are incredibly precious and sacred. Through them, we can worship the Lord and do incredible good. And with them, we can wound and defraud each other and rebel against God. So Mary is a wonderful model for us, whatever our age may be. As a young woman of faith waiting for the Messiah, she filled her mind with God's word. When the angel came, she believed the good news Gabriel brought. She believed it was good news. She said yes to God. She was humble, recognizing God's claim on her life, regarding herself as a servant of the Lord. Be it unto me, 
according to your word, even if that meant risk and sacrifice. And as Elizabeth revealed, Mary believed that what God said to her would be accomplished. She invited Jesus into her heart and into her body. And through her, God became man and dwelt among us. She stored up God's promises in her heart as things surrounding Jesus began to unfold. And she continued to grow from mother to disciple. You know, this is the last place that we'll hear about Elizabeth in the Gospels, but Mary will appear several more times. And in one final way, I think she models discipleship and that she kept growing in her faith and her relationship with Jesus. You know, Mary wasn't perfect. She too was dust, a sinner in need of salvation. She struggled like the disciples to understand what Jesus was doing and how these promises would play out. There is an almost humorous scene in Mark 3 where Jesus and his disciples have been in such intense ministry that they haven't been able to eat. Well, you can't imagine how a Jewish mother feels hearing about this. My son's not eating. They rush off to take charge of him, thinking he's out of his mind. And Mary and Jesus here stretches Mary from mother to disciple. He says, looking at the circle of people around him, here are my mothers and brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. He's stretching Mary into a disciple and at the same time drawing us into his family. Later in John 19, we'll find her at the cross. Most of the other disciples have fled, but she's there with John. Pain in her heart is if pierced by a sword. And yet I believe she saw the risen Lord because sweetest of all, she's listed in the group waiting in the upper room for the Holy Spirit, waiting for Pentecost. Things turning out in ways she couldn't even have imagined. Mary indeed became most blessed. And we, the church, all these generations later, remember her and call her blessed. Blessed is she who believed what God said would be done. God invites all of us into that blessing. Jesus stands at the door and knocks, like in our picture. If anyone hears his voice and opens the door, he will come into him and sup with him and bathe with him. We're invited to be part of his family, the sweetest of relationships because the taste of eternity. Christ in us, the hope of glory. I want to close with a poem by Malcolm Geith about Mary and Elizabeth called The Visitation. Here is a meeting made of hidden joys, of lightnings cloistered in a narrow place. From quiet hearts, the sudden flame of praise, and in the womb, the kick of quickening grace. Two women on the very edge of things, unnoticed and unknown to men of power, but in their flesh, the hidden spirit sings, and in their lives, the buds of blessing flower. And Mary stands with all we call too young. Elizabeth with all called past their prime. They sing today for all the great unsung women who turned eternity to time. Favored of heaven, outcasts on earth, prophets who bring the best in us to birth. Let us pray. God, our Father, we present our bodies to you today, praying that Christ be formed in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
When others see us, may it be you they notice. Thank you for those who've gone before as examples, like Mary and Elizabeth, of what it means to love you and trust you and follow you. Amen.